My name is Hemish Alangaratne, and I'm the founder of RX Group and the host of Let's Talk Quality. Let's Talk Quality is a podcast aimed at quality assurance professionals in pharma and biotech. Join us to learn from some of the best QA leaders around the world and hear how they've developed their careers as they provide some practical insights into how they've got to the top of their field. Our mission is to shine a light on what good quality assurance really means for pharma and biotech. What impact does it really have on the patient? We want to explore some of the biggest challenges facing the sector and inspire the next generation of quality assurance leaders to continue to help bring safer and better quality therapies to patients. Welcome to season one. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, where where are you? Which part of the world are you for the for the listeners' benefit? So I'm actually in New Jersey. I'm by the Jersey Shore, so it's quite nice here where I'm at today. The sun's shining, is it? It is, and it's warm, and it's beautiful. It's actually quite nice in London um, today. Oh, that's uh, good for a change. Yeah, we had a we had a really bad July. Um, but yeah, the sun's been, it's been good over the last couple of weeks, which is, uh, which is nice. There's awesome. a few more happy faces around. Yes. Um, Christy, thanks for joining us. We're going to talk, um, about women in quality assurance, um, or, and in particular, I suppose some of the obstacles that women face, not only in, um, a career in quality assurance, but in more general leadership positions. Um, so, I suppose before we get into it, would you like to give the listeners a, a sort of a high level overview of who you are um, and, and what you do? Sure. So um, I've been a quality professional for the little over 17 years or so now. Um, I've worked across pharma, biotech, across every GXP. Um, I've moved around in different quality positions. So I've kind of seen it all, been there, done that, lots of war stories. Um, which is probably a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and pretty much as I moved on in my later part of my career, um, I've gotten more involved in some more of the nonprofit industry organizations like ASQ and SQA, um, a lot of teaching and educating um, other individuals in the quality space. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at today. Cool. So, we're going to talk about, as I said, we're going to talk about women in quality assurance, women in leadership, um, and some of the obstacles that that women tend to face. Um, I suppose to to frame the conversation, the gender gap in biotech is narrowing. Um, it, it, women make up, I think, just under fifty percent of professionals. Um, however, I suppose it's also well documented that executive leadership positions, um, males typically make up about 90% of these roles. Um, there are uh, six female CEOs, I think, in, in biotech companies with a market cap of over 5 million. Um, so I suppose before we get into the conversation, would you explain for the listeners why you are such a strong advocate for females in quality and, and biotech? Sure. Yeah, that's a uh, great question because um, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, back in my early career, um, I had a p- pivotal moment that um, kind of changed my way of thinking and the trajectory of my career going forward. And this was early on. Um, and that moment in my career really pushed me towards uh, this new purpose of advocating for other women, uh, build, building the female leadership pipeline, and just for women in general in the workplace. Um, back in my early career, 
Um, I had a very strong upper management um, board that was all men, uh, pretty much. It was all men. And I was just entering a leadership position myself, brand new to leadership, just starting off uh, younger in my career. And in that time, um, there were some folks who were, I guess, they didn't respect me the same way I expected to be treated and to be respected as the other men on that board were. Um, so I was treated quite differently, especially if I had opinions, I wasn't allowed to give them. They didn't matter as much. Um, if I didn't agree, it was a problem. Um, and I actually received a lot of backlash for not agreeing with certain things. But in my role, my job was to protect the patients and the company. So I stuck to my guns no matter what, but it didn't end well for me um, there. So um, it had even the men in the HR area of that company, when I went to them with the problems, gave me advice like, act more like a man, um, wear heels, that might help so you're bigger. I'm a short person, I'm tiny. So, um, so that was their way of trying to help me navigate that situation was to act more like a man, wear heels, be a little taller, try and stand straighter. Um, and to me, those weren't good, good pieces of advice for a young woman just entering leadership. Um, and pretty much from that point forward, I decided that this wasn't okay. Um, and that I was going to start standing up for women in leadership and that I was going to change things moving forward. And that's essentially what I did. Obviously, I, you know, I'm not there anymore. This was early in my career. I've learned a lot since then, but that was the moment that shifted things for me. And I was like, I need to get more involved in women leadership. And I have ever since. Um, and now I chair a women in quality group for ASQ. And um, that's where we come together as women and men to break some barriers and to push past some of these issues, um, you know, that we may face in the workplace. Well, and was it a case of, that you know those incidents or those that experience that you had in your early career did that straight away trigger trigger something in you to to take a stand and to try and help um other women going through similar situations was it or was it a gradual process leading up to where you are now so it was it was more gradual uh what the first step that i remember taking was let me join some of these groups right some of these industry organizations so i could connect with people outside of my small workspace, right? Um, see what's out there in the wider world. Um, and then that's how I started to meet people and ask the questions, learn from other people, um, network. And that actually helped get me to where I am right now today, chairing this group for women leadership. Um, but it was more of a gradual shift, but I knew I had to change the way I thought and um, move into meeting other people and, you know, really learning new things. Yeah. So so talk us through some of the typical obstacles, challenges that women in quality typically have to work through um, and face throughout their careers. So um, actually, that's another good question, because the women's group that I lead, um, I did a survey way uh, maybe like a year or so ago um, around some of the challenges that the women in my group may be facing. So I, I got a pretty good idea of some of the challenges that we're seeing. Most were around, um, how do I find a mentor and a real mentor? Um, how do we negotiate to be great negotiators? Mm. Um, what was another one? Oh, how to be seen as a valued business partner. And then also having time for work, family, 
and the self, because that's the part we forget the most. I know I do, um, you know, and self-care. How do we fit all that in to everything that we already do? So those are some of the biggest that yeah. came out of that survey. So you've mentioned a few there. So if we try to unpick some of them. Um, so you mentioned, I suppose you, you started with mentorship, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so mentorship is often considered crucial, I suppose, for growth and career growth. Um, in your journey to date, how have mentors played a role in in, the, in your development as a leader? And, and could you share any, I suppose, examples where um, they've made a significant impact on your career? Sure. Um, you know, I think finding a mentor early on is really useful. Um, it took me a little bit of time to really find um, a good mentor um, and find one that fit with my way of thinking and who I am as a person. Um, but I can say as you move into the leadership roles and you start having a team, having a mentor there to help you is going to be key to your success in your career. Um, and there was a mentor in my life who I still consider a mentor, um, that I met maybe around 12 years ago now, um, somewhere around there. Uh, she originally was, one of my managers. Um, but the, for my very first day working for her, she took me under her wing really. Um, and took time to teach me, to educate me, explain the why we do what we do in quality, right. Or in leadership. Right. Um, she let me shadow her, um, a lot actually, which previous to that, nobody had ever really given me those opportunities. I had to push for them or work for them harder on my own rather than having somebody just kind of take the lead and show me the way. Um, she really also helped me reach some of my goals that I had. She really sat down with me and said, Hey, what are you, where, where do you dream to be in five years? More around my hopes and my dreams than anything else. Um, and then helped me work towards that. She took the time, even though we still had work to get done, she made sure that she took care of me as a person. Um, and I think that's something that I won't forget. And that taught me a lot as I go and mentor others myself. Yeah, she sounds like a fantastic leader and mentor. And I think you need those, well, I think everyone needs those people, whether you're a female or a male in in your career, Um, someone to look up to that can inspire you to teach other people um, what they taught you. Um, So uh, then I suppose moving on to, you mentioned negotiation um, being being an obstacle um, or a challenge. Um, Where, where, you know, negotiation is such a wide phrase, but where do you, you see that women in particular struggle with negotiation, what aspects of negotiation? So I tend to see women struggling more with being afraid to ask for more when negotiating. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean more money, just more of anything, right? Or asking for extra. Um, I noticed women have a harder time with that. And I know I did years ago in the beginning too. And I had to kind of push past that. And it's like, well, ask, the most they'll say is no, right? So kind of what I tell people now is just go for it. Ask, you know, there's no harm in asking, but come with your reasons why when you're negotiating, right? Come with facts, come with justification, um, when negotiating for things. Um, but also if you're negotiating for things like, let's say within your own company, but you're trying to negotiate, you know, maybe more budget, more headcount, or just getting people to follow you to build a quality culture or whatever it is. Right. Um, I think part of that is really being able to build credibility within yourself, within your company, 
and then being seen as a true partner for those other departments or those other areas that you know you're going to need to negotiate with often. So yeah. um, I think it's about being that true partner, not only when you need something. Um, so that's something to yeah. keep in mind, too, is, you know, really get to know people, get to know people you work with, get to know the people you're going to negotiate with, because that will give you leverage. Is that a confidence aspect of it? Or is it is it preparation? Um, what, like what stems, I suppose, from what are the factors contributing to, to, to someone or a female becoming a better negotiator? Um, I do think research is important. Um, you know, if you're negotiating on something that has, you know, facts that you could bring with you, um, or something to help you justify what you're negotiating, I think that's useful, right? Cause then it's mm. a little harder to say no to something that you have good backing for. Yeah. Um, the same thing with doing your research in the fact of like, well, get to know that person, get to know who they are, how they work, what makes them not happy, what makes them happy, right? Because that's going to help you be able to speak their language when you want to negotiate. So yeah. I think understanding them and speaking their language is going to also help. And that takes some prep work. Yeah. And then you mentioned that obviously quality culture as well. A big part of that is collaborating with other stakeholders, especially as a quality leader, um, yes. whether that's in uh, regulatory sales, marketing, business development, um, operations, manufacturing, being a being a female quality leader, you're you're having to collaborate and talk to other cross functional heads a lot of the time to, yes. um, you know, to I suppose improve um, or, or to negotiate um, essentially. So yeah, that that must be a big part of um, building a quality culture as well. I know you 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 spend a lot of time talking about quality culture as well as um, female leadership. So I suppose the, the two kind of go hand in hand. Yes, they do, because the negotiation part does come in with having a good culture of quality. And really, it all goes back to just being good partners with each other, right? Even yeah. even cross-functionally, because as a quality person, I kind of say, well, we're like the customer service of the business, right? We're there to service yeah. across the company, no matter what department, we're supporting you, right? It's what we're there for, building quality into our processes. And to do that, you need to be able to lead, and lead with a quality mindset. If you can't lead that way, how can you expect others to follow? Um, mm. So leadership and quality culture do go hand in hand. So I've, I've heard you, when we, we spoke before, I've heard you use the phrase circle philosophy. Um, yes. I, I, I think I, I might be correct in thinking that it goes along with the mentorship aspect of it, but could you just talk a bit more about that philosophy and I suppose its importance in, um, in, in female, female leadership or fostering a better um, culture? Sure. Um, yes, I do talk a lot about my circle um, and folks who have been in my women in quality forums. Uh, we touch on this a lot. Um, I feel that, and not just women, but even men, right? Everyone should have a circle. Um, around them, a support group, um, or some people call it their tribe. Um, you know, there's lots of similar terms for it, but essentially it's having some key people in your network or in your life that you can reach out to for different things. Um, some of those, I like to have a couple key, um, key people that I keep around in my network that mean a lot to me and support me. And then I support them as well. Uh, one is a friend, have a really good friend. And this is not someone you work with necessarily. It's someone outside of the workplace. Um, at least one good friend that you can have sanity checks that can kind of put you in check when your emotions, 
you know, tend to get the best of you. Someone to confide in, right? Oh, I made a mistake and they're not going to really judge you, right? They're your friend. Um, have a coach, a good coach in your life. And that is different than a mentor in the way that a coach will talk to you rather than with you. Um, they're going to help you follow your goals and reach your goals. They're more results driven in that way. Um, and then have a mentor. Now the mentor, I know we touched on a bit, but a mentor is someone who's going to be more dream driven than results driven. Um, there's someone who's going to talk with you. They're going to foster your hopes and dreams. So it's slightly different than a coach, um, in that nature. And then a good, another good one is have a sponsor. So what I mean by having a sponsor in your circle is usually somebody either higher up than you or somebody with a lot of influence within your company or within your, um, industry, you know, pharma, biotech, whatever it is, um, that will talk about you to others. Somebody that has influence in that area that if they hear something, they're gonna be like, Oh, go see so-and-so because they're great at this. And they're going to back you and support you and talk about you when you're not around in many good ways. So having a sponsor is key as well. Um, and then the last one that I like to have in my circle is a trusted colleague. So it's like a friend, but a friend at work, um, someone who has the same company values that you have. You guys align in that because you work at the same company, right? You may have the some shared goals because you work at the same company and they will be able to be there to give you that business company related check-in sanity checks uh, that you know you could trust in them and they're your friend at work. I think those are the key players that women and men alike should look for when they are entering leadership, if not earlier on in their career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So that's amazing. So you've got a a friend, you've got a, a coach, yep. a mentor, and a sponsor. Sure. Yep. And then um, a trusted colleague. And a, and a trusted colleague. Wow. And that's a good... Um, a good formula, um, I suppose, that you can take to, um, to, to, to on the, on the, I suppose, the courses and um, talks that you do. Is that something? How did you learn that? How did you come up with that? So, actually, a mentor of mine from way back yeah. when kind of gave me the tools and you know the little talk on, hey, you know, you kind of need some of these people in your life. And ever since then, I mm. take that and I teach others the same because it's worked fabulous for me. I've seen it work for other people. Um, and you don't necessarily need all of them, but if you can, you know, it's, it'll help you along the way. Um, and it gives you a really good support group. Um, I could say following that little, little tip and trick that I learned from an old mentor of mine. Um, I've kept those couple of individuals in my life for, I don't know, over 12, 13 years now, some of those people. Um, and we support each other as much as we can. And we're not always at the same company. These are people just within the network, people that I know around town. Um, it's, it's something that to me is easy to find if you put in a little work mm. to go look for them Yeah, and to build those relationships, I, right? It takes two. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. right. I think it's, it's always easy for whatever line of work you do. If you get a, a mentor or a coach, it, it has to be a two-way relationship where you're being proactive to try to push your mentor or coach or whatever the relationship may be to develop you and telling them which areas you want to develop in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, it has to be a two way group. Um, so another thing that I think you mentioned, I, w- I want to talk about is unconscious bias. Um, would you be able to explain a 
what unconscious, unconscious bias is. And I suppose any tactics or practical strategies that both men and women could use to uh, minimize the impact of unconscious bias. Sure. So that topic actually has been a hot one for couple of years now, there's a lot yeah. going around um, on unconscious bias. And I think that a lot of times um, we all carry them, right? It's something we all carry, something that we don't necessarily think about. It just, hence the term unconscious right? bias. It's biases we create or that have been instilled in us that we don't realize we're putting out upon others or sometimes even upon ourselves, right? So, um it's something that I would say took me a little bit more time to really learn who I was and what I may be holding, um, you know, within myself as an unconscious bias and what I've kind of projected possibly that I didn't realize. Um, so I think as an individual, even as a leader, get to know yourself, take time to know who you are and pay attention to when you're making decisions, when you're interviewing people, when you're meeting new people in general, um, Pay attention, right? Um, that takes a little more time to be self-aware. Um, and I think we're always learning about ourselves as we grow. But that's one thing to keep in mind when trying to look um, and see what unconscious bias we may hold. But I could say as a young woman entering leadership, there were a lot put upon me um, way back in my career. Um, and what I see other women having issues with when it comes to that, is that, oh, well, they think because I'm young, you know, they've interviewed and they say, oh, well, they passed me up because they feel I'm young and that maybe because I want to have kids, I might not be able to handle a lot of responsibility. So I won't get the higher title. I might get the lower title. Right. That's an example of an unconscious bias. Um, another one that I kind of had in myself after that pivotal experience I had early in my career with the men in leadership, not really leading well. I kind of mm. developed um, a little bit of a bias for a couple of years there, thinking that that's just how it was. And every time yeah. I went somewhere new, I was afraid. Um, and it took me some time to remove that from my way of thinking and actually realize that that's not how it is. Um, and that's not something that I should be putting upon new people as I meet them. Um, so being self-aware is going to be key to um, kind of unraveling your yeah. unconscious biases, but also... The same thing when it comes to having them put upon you is just trying to help educate others on what it is, how to figure it out, and how to overcome it. Um, but I think because it is such a hot topic that a lot of us are more educated. Um, and I think really the way leadership is going, we're more going towards servant leadership or leading with empathy than the old school corporate way of doing things. So I really do think that we're going to overcome a lot of the unconscious bias that you see in the workplace, especially against women and men in general. Yeah, there's a really interesting point about what you said there, where if you've experienced unconscious bias, then you're you are also likely to have that perception and, and be um, unconsciously biased in your own assessment um, when when dealing with situations or, or certain people, um, you know. So it's yeah. it's it's both. It can work both ways, I suppose. Correct. Yeah, we all carry them. It's just figuring out what they are and how to make sure we avoid them. Right. So that self awareness yeah. piece is the hardest piece to learn, really. In, in my opinion, I feel like it's harder to learn myself than it is to learn others. <laughs> yeah. How do how do people like? Well, what are practical 
did, did you advise anyone on, on how to become more self-aware, whether it's a female or a male? You know, I think it's about finding the time to just sit within yourself, sit within your thoughts, maybe write things down when you, you know, start thinking of things and then going back and reading it over. Um, mm. You know, how did I handle this situation? Um, you know, write it down and then go back to it a week later, a month later. And did I do this correctly? You know, um, or no, I really didn't let me kind of uncover where that's coming from. You know, whenever you go through something difficult um, or even a win, right? How did I handle the win? Did I celebrate properly? Did I take the time? Did mm. I congratulate others? Um, you know, really learning about who you are um, as an individual is going to help. Yeah. And um, I think the last thing you mentioned was work-life balance. Um, um, work-life balance is has become a hot topic, especially in the last three years. Um, what's your perspective on, on work-life balance versus, I think, the phrase work-life integration, which you mentioned to me um, when we when we first spoke, um, especially in the the, the 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 biotech space, which is highly demanding, um, highly regulated, highly you know can be very very stressful um, environments. Um, do you have any personal strategies which you use to manage your um, work life balance or work life integration? I uh, I think I've learned a lot. Cause, so for me, uh, maybe to give it some perspective, for me it's, it might yeah. be a little bit different than maybe some others. Um, I have been working remotely before COVID made it cool. Um, so pretty much about 12 years or so now I've been working remote and I've been building and leading teams remotely for 12 years or so. Um, so I think I've had a lot more time to figure out the work-life balance and versus integration than maybe some others who are just working remote or working hybrid or returning back to the office or things like that. Um, but for me, I look at it as more of work-life integration. And I think that's because I do work within my home most of the time. Um, so for me, if I try to balance something, something's going to fall to the wayside, right? Something's going to be pushed aside or not prioritized because I have to put the other one up a little higher. Um, for me, I look at it as I try to integrate the two together because I work where I live. So um, what I try to do is, in such a highly, we are in a highly regulated space and it is stressful um, at times, but I try and look for companies that fit within my cultural um, and value, my cultural values um, and pretty much what, a culture that fits within who I am as a person. So find an organization that has the same values you do as a person where their values fit within your way of thinking, um, and who you are as, you know, an individual, how you like to work. If you find a company where you and the company mesh together, um, and you can have that flexible working, then I think anything's possible and you can integrate work and life together seamlessly. Um, but if you go to a company, let's say, or you're at a company where their culture is different than the one you want to create, then it's going to be much harder to have work-life balance or integration. Um, so really is about you and who you work for meshing together well. So having a flexible and trustworthy relationship with your company is going to be key to your success. Because um, I know just like I'm a mother, for example, managing work, life, the house, motherhood, caretaking, myself maybe once in a while, right? Um, it's a lot. So I try to find companies that mesh well with how I want to work um, and that have the same values I do. And it's easy to do all of those things, plus get the job done and get it, get it done right. Um, 
But I think that's the first step is what do you value within a company and within yourself? And then go look for companies that have the same culture that you want to create. I hope that makes okay. sense. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, no, it makes completely perfect. There's so much to talk about. Um, it's, it's like we could have a, you, you could have a, a whole, <laughs> you could talk all day about this. We'll have to have a sequel um, to, to this. Um, but um yeah, I think there's a, there's a there's a whole load of stuff, and I think it's a conversation that should be had. Um, it should continue. It should be all year round, um, and it should be a focus for everyone in in the workspace. Um, coming to the the quick fire question um, part part of the show, um, my first question to you would be: if you could give your uh, younger self um, a piece of advice for when you were starting out, what would it be? So I think I've learned this a little bit of the hard way back earlier in my career, but don't ask, ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Um, I would say, don't be afraid to take the leap when you see a chance to do so. Um, if you have a chance to make a decision or take a calculated risk, do it. If you know that, Hey, I got this, then do it. Don't be afraid. Um, you can always ask for forgiveness later. Um, but I wish I had done that more earlier in my career. Um, Taking ben, taking more leaps and going out of my comfort zone. Cool. Um, final question. What is your vision for women in quality? So the vision that I have today, I would say, and my vision is always changing as I meet new women, meet other people, um, hear different things. Um, but really what I hope to do, um, especially through the women in quality group that I chair is to really build the next set of female leaders um, that will empower each other, teach each other, and not just professionally, also as a person, personally, right? Um, we're more than who we bring to work, right? Um, we're more than that. We are people, we have home lives, we have things going on. And I think we need to realize that um, as professionals, not just women. But um, my vision is really to just build women leaders that will break barriers that will be innovative and be inspired to be innovative and take risks, move out of their comfort zones more than they did before um, and create a network of uh, female mentors that can help other younger women that want to be leaders. Um, I think it's our job um, to teach others and to teach for the future. Um, if we hold all the knowledge we learn within ourselves, we're not, teaching anything or leaving anything behind. And I believe that, you know, it's my job to mentor and educate others with what I know and what I've been through in my experiences. Um, as I tell my kids, sharing is caring. And I mean it, <laughs> you know, share what you know. Um, there's no reason not to. Brilliant. Well, I think it's been an amazing conversation and I think a lot of people will take some good practical advice um, away from that, whether you're a, a female or, or a male. Um, Christy, I know that you do a lot of lot of um, courses and, and webinars and talks. Um, if people would like to get hold of you, is, is LinkedIn the best platform? And are there any events that are coming up that you'd like to, I suppose, share or um, let people know about? So uh, yeah, LinkedIn, best way to get a hold of me. Um, I'm happy to help or chat with anyone around anything we talked about today in deeper detail. Um, and I am looking for a call for speakers for my women in quality group for the fall and the winter. Um, so uh, through LinkedIn is where you'll get all the information on the webinars that I'll hold on female leadership. So um, I would say follow my page and it will 
it will guide you. <laughs> yep. And if anybody wants to know anything, they can message me and I'm happy to share. Brilliant. Well, look, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, um, Christy. So thank you very much thank for you joining for having me. I us. appreciate it. No, my, my pleasure. Um, and I, like I said, I think it's a conversation that should be had all year round. Um, and we'll have to get you back onto the show in um, whether it be a year's time or, or two years time, just to, I suppose, see how you're carrying out that your vision um, of inspiring more female leaders. Yes, so, I'd um, love to give you an update. Yeah, no, sounds good. Um, brilliant. Well, look, thank you very much again, um, Christy, and um, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. I hope that you got value from it, whether you're starting your career in quality or if you're at the top of your field. Today's episode was brought to you by RX Group. I'm the founder of RX Group. We are a pharma and biotech recruitment organization focusing purely on quality assurance. We recruit consultants and senior level permanent quality professionals into the pharma and biotech industry. If we can support you, whether that be in a hiring capacity or if you yourself are looking for work, Please get in touch with me on LinkedIn, visit our LinkedIn page where you can subscribe to the podcast and visit our website www.rx-group.io to find out more about us. See you soon.